Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tattoos with Intention podcast. Just a quick reminder before we start, if you find any value in these podcasts at all, could you please go ahead, click the follow button. It helps spread this conversation of intentionality and tattooing more than anything else that you could do. You may have noticed that I'm focusing in on the importance of capturing what it is that tattoos do for people as a process rather than what they are as an artwork or the physical result. And the best way I've found to convey this multi-layered reality is to talk to the people who have been tattooed with focused intention and they've worked hard to experience its fullness themselves. The Tattoo Pathway course is open for expressions of interest. It can be made via a waiting list at tattoopathway.com. This podcast is scheduled for one episode a month for the remainder of 2024. It's zero cost information that is aimed to give you insights and tools that will be beneficial in regards to relating to your own tattoo journey in a more meaningful way. So as I mentioned, give us a follow, spread the word, enjoy the podcast. In today's episode, I'm interviewing James. We've been working together for about four or five years now. Yes, it's another client interview. This one's vastly different to Corey, who was on last month to jog your memory. Corey's first tattoo was two sleeves with me at age 28. James, on the other hand, has had five hand poke tattoos before he was 18, and we have covered all of them in the work that we've done together. Again, we focus on the tattoo process, what it does, how it impacts the wearer, by talking through and mapping some of James's tattoos, we see how the process has changed for him over time. And in between this exploration, we share our views on trending ceremonial tattooing, entities, being a dad, men's work, and general intentional living. Some of you might find this information useful. For others, it might be unwelcomed or parts of it unpopular. However, it is thought-provoking. It comes from a good place. It's heartfelt, and it's a useful contemplation. Thank you for sharing, James, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, so I just finished editing the the episode that's going to go up tomorrow, and it's a chat with this fella Corey, and he's like an anomaly, hey, where he had no tattoos, and then he waited like ten years, and then he reached out to me, and he got both his sleeves done, and they're beautiful over like two years, just smooth, harmonious from the start, right? You, my friend, and this isn't a bad thing, but it's the opposite, you know, and the reality is that. It's a much harder path when your tattoos haven't been done with a lot of forethought. And that's like how most people get tattooed these days, myself included. And we'll go into that more. But before we start talking tattoos, just so people have a bit of context with who you are and stuff, do you want to just go into what it is that you you do with yourself now and what life looks like and a bit of a frame up of who they're listening to? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm a father. I've got three kids, like Mark, yep. where we have kids similar ages, which is super awesome. I have a wife, a beautiful wife. She's a, she's a facilitator, healer, coach, therapist. I don't know. Mm. So she's really supportive, really awesome. I wouldn't be where I am today without her support. What am yep. I doing today? So I do a little bit of men's work. So whether that's one-on-ones or men's circles, and I'm almost finished my training with rebirthing breath work and then I may go back and finish off my studies with psychotherapy at some point but yeah yep. just at the moment cruising being predominantly stay-at-home dad while I study and then if stuff arises like so far this year there's been a fair few people asking me to 
come along and support some retreats and just help facilitate and stuff. So just letting life and God kind of just put the right people and the right things in front of me and just mm. moving in that place, trying not to kick doors down that aren't for me. And I've done so much of that in my past and, you know, kind of like touch on what we were chatting about with my bombed legs and tattoos and stuff like that's my life's been pretty chaotic and wild since probably 13. Yeah. Yeah. There's the thing. There's some big gaps between where you are now and where you've been. Like I think of you and I put a couple of, a list of things down who James is. And so like you started with it. I got dad first. I got the psychotherapist thing there. I think that's because when we first started to interact, which was through Jack, you guys were doing that study together. But then you've also got some of the older stories, right? So there was military. Um, and then there was also like just you still surf now, but there's that younger, a little bit more reckless surf party frothing stage as well, right? Yeah, totally. Yes. The fact that you start getting tattooed early in stages that are formative, of course, is going to land you in a place where when you start to have a little bit more of a solid idea of who you are and what you're doing with your life, a lot of the tattoos aren't going to correlate anymore. And I guess that's where we started engaging was when you're at that point, a little bit more of a reflective point, which is the common situation. That's where I start tattooing most people. There's a handful of people where it's from the start and that's cool too, but it's a different thing. But yeah, so your first tattoos, what were your first tattoos? Which tattoo did you get done yourself? So I, my first tattoo was a self hand poke. I remember asking my mom, I was like, oh, I want a tattoo. Our family friend had a tattoo and then mum and dad are just like, I, was, I think I was 16 at this point. And they're like, no, just straight no. And I was like, oh, yeah, straight no, eh? So then the rebellious, reckless streak kicked in and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it myself. So I looked up how to tattoo yeah. myself and then I just grabbed a sewing needle, wrapped the end in cotton, and then I had gone and actually stolen some Indian ink from an art shop. Actually, the first one was actually a smiley face in class with big pen ink in my arms, which I then cut out of my arm with a scalpel because it started to go really weird. So I just thought I better remove that. That was my first one. And then the second one was a little stick man on my leg, which is now covered by the the leg sleeve that's in the process of we're blacking out. Happening. And then the next one was the Ankh, which we reversed recently. Oh, um, uh, yep. Was that the hand poke as well? That was hand poke, yeah. And then yep. the hand poke star on my knee. And then there was the cross, which was mm-hmm. the first one we covered the first on the arm. And then there was like the two little Mr. Men, which were a dodgy tattoo gun that barely worked. Okay. Yep. Yep. They were the first, that was before, that was before 18. So that was before 18, I had a fair few little hand pokes. So that's seven tattoos, seven tattoos before you were 18 and only the Mr. Men or the, was the star a machine as well? No. Oh, I went over the star. So I hand poked it and then I decided to go over it. Yeah. So you had five tattoos that were all hand poke. Your first five were all hand poke. And how many did you yeah. do yourself? You did the smiley all, yourself, all you did of the them. stick figure yourself. Oh, 
Smiley, stick figure, ink, Mr. Man, and then the cross I didn't do myself. Well, I started to do it, but then okay. got someone to finish it. So interesting, man. Okay. <laughs> so seven tattoos before you're 18. First five you did yourself, stick and poke. None of them are remaining. They're all going to be covered. Well, yeah, we've only got we've only got one to cover. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't a single tattoo that you did at those in those stages. Like using the the archetype of the rebel, right? Mum and dad mm-hmm. said no, and I want to mark myself. Yeah. Not one of those tattoos is gonna remain, right? But at the same yeah. time, it's those were stages where the same things were taking place. Things were getting locked in, recorded that you've been able to reflect on and say, Oh wow. Look at how that particular energy has influenced my life up until now, and I don't want to carry that anymore. So they've still been pretty formative, right? They still had an important oh, part, yeah. but there's just no need for them anymore. And and it it's so interesting how they end up influencing the next tattoos. Especially the one that you illuminated last time I saw you was the ink. That was pretty wild, and I can see how that's influenced me in a lot of different areas without going into it. Like the, what the ones that are really clear is like I had Mr. Happy and Mr. Grumpy on my feet, right? Because yeah. people would say to me, oh, you're either happy or you're grumpy. There was only two sides to me. That's what people would say. Put and then box, that story just put me in a box. And then I put myself in a box by tattooing on my feet. And then all of a sudden that's all that would happen. I'd be happy or I'd be grumpy. The story perpetuated. Probably mm-hmm. split my personality in two because of how long I had it. And then I started to believe it. Like, I'm either happy or I'm grumpy. That's it. There's no yeah. other in between. And then it wasn't until yeah. we like covered it where I was like, holy shit. And I think that's like the, the part, the word that you said so key is like just how these tattoos, when we do them in our formative years, I mean, not all of us are lucky to have a clean slate go into tattoo, whether it's with you or someone else who's intentional. Corey and his beautiful two sleeves. Like, that's the dream. But once you've bombed yourself, there's no going back. Like, you just got to retrace back through and go, what stories have been locked in my skin and how are they influencing me? And to be honest, it's pretty fun and it's, I enjoy it, even when it's sometimes it's quite confronting and it's quite like yes. a pie in the face. You go, oh, fuck. I'm just thinking of people listening and going, okay. Making decisions about first tattoos, having that sort of rebel hat isn't really an optimal mindset. It's probably going to lead you to stuff that you don't want to have later because you don't want to spend your entire existence in that state of being the rebel and the world's against me, even though, you know, you see that playing out. But so you went from like your first tattoos, hand poke, and then what was your first experiences like from then going into tattoo studios? And what was your mindset too? Because like what we're doing now is so far from where most people engage with tattooing and so if you were to rewind and think back to like okay I tattooed myself then it's oh i'm gonna i'm gonna start getting tattooed i'm still gonna start going to tattoo studios what was that like so track it back like the first tattoo studio experience i had was actually in the military and it was st patrick's day and we just went into one of the yeah. ones in bondi we're all pierced seven and we just got a st patrick's clover on my foot that was my first tattoo studio experience. So that was my mindset was like, oh, belonging. It's just a tattoo sort of thing. Oh, yeah, part of the boys or whatever. And then it wasn't even studio back into like backyard tattooing. 
just some stupid bomb uh-huh. ones on my legs again. But then the first actual studio one I went was in Indonesia, Bali, 2014, 2015, 2014. And I got my first proper studio tattoo. But I was in a pretty dark place then. So like my mindset, I can't even really think if I had a mindset. I think I was just wanting to get a tattoo because I was like, fuck it. My relationship just broke down. My ex at the time didn't actually like tattoos. That was part of the rebellious thing was me getting tattoos. It was actually a fuck you to her. And then it was like, I got this tattoo because she was on that trip, but we weren't actually together because we were with a bunch of people. So I got this big rose and like an hourglass with a clock on it i remember the unconscious intention that went into it was like i think it was like women are a waste of time girls are a waste of time or relationships are a waste of time and it took ages for me to actually track that unconscious intention because people would ask you oh why'd you get it i'm like i don't know it wasn't until i started working with you i was like start to trace back what was the subtle intention that went into that and then I was like, oh, fuck, that relate- the relationship was a waste of time because we just split and whatnot. And then it just moved into when I started to get more tattoos. It was just, oh, things that I like. I'm having a spiritual awakening. Let's get some more stuff like that on my legs. And you've obviously seen my left leg is pretty colorful and psychedelic and weird. And they're like symbols and, you know, things. I think it was starting to move in the direction of a bit of a supposed healthy direction but at the same time i wasn't aware of this the meanings the symbols and the stories that get locked in at that point and it wasn't until obviously i met jag uni and then met you and started to do breath work intentional breath work where everything got flipped on its head i was like yeah shit let's back that up a little bit yeah so you said you feel like it was probably at that stage you started to go on like a bit of a better path with it but you didn't fully know what was getting locked in unpack that a little bit what makes you say that it was a bit of a better path because i think about again people listening if you can outline something they can relate to here where they might be like oh no i'm getting tattoos and and i'm getting them in a good way and it's all good but like you were saying you thought it was all good now you don't so what what makes you say that you were on a better path then but you were still unaware okay so this, I was putting more thought into the actual tattoo and what I wanted and why I was getting it. But then the tattoo and how I actually was, wasn't matching or the person and the studio, the environment wasn't actually intentional or conducive. So even though I was coming from a bit more of a thoughtful place or mindful place, my head was still in the sand around the beliefs, the patterns, the stories, what I was actually doing in life, which was still taking drugs and stuff and smoking lots of cannabis and, you know, porn, sex and lots of stuff around then. That was Mm -hmm. like 2018. So there was, even though the symbol or the idea of what I was getting tattooed on me was like, yeah, okay, cool. There was still all this unconscious stuff happening, the studio, the artists, were clean or intentional. They, there was a couple of times where I was got tattooed halfway through the tattoo. He just reveals to me that he was, he's on endones and other things whilst tattooing me. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. It does. It also makes me think of like, cause I've been in the same situation where you think yeah. you're on track, but you're not. Yeah. 
totally. You know, so you're getting things done and you're thinking like, oh yeah, I'm on track and I can empathize with it in the way of like, you know, I can remember when I started like meditating, for example. So all of a sudden I was spiritual and on track, but I was still drinking and partying and mm-hmm. lying to myself about so many different things. You, yeah. But it feels good to have this label or a little identity you can give yourself of being spiritual, even though you're not living up to the standard of the it. Values. Really. Yeah, the standards of values. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of that in there. All right. And so then we started working together. And at that point, I think you you came in and we did a cover up on your wrist was the first thing we were going to do in yeah. Marrickville. Hey, that's right. Yeah. That's and right. so we've come a long way from there. Obviously, we've done most of both of your arms. There's a bit of space there, but we've balanced everything on your arms and we've done pretty much your whole back now and we're working on your legs or, and your hips. So like a lot. Yeah. But when you came in and got that first tattoo session with me you would have had no idea of where it was going or what it was that we'd be doing still probably was still in a bit of a domain of like where your other tattoos were yeah totally yeah 100 so if you think back to when we started tattooing what do you think the major sort of adjustments were in getting tattooed and how you saw it so it's kind of you know going in blind obviously jag had filled some gaps but hadn't experienced it so the tattoo that we covered was all around the particular cross that was on my wrist the stories there were that got locked in were all around like depression suicide addiction some real heavy stuff was in that tattoo and i always think about this this being the first tattoo and just how far and this is kind of my reference point of how powerful intentional tattooing is with the right tattooist is so much has changed for me in four years like obviously I'm sober now um, and the trajectory of my life's completely changed. But that particular cover up, I didn't really know I was stepping into. Um, but it wasn't, I feel like the tattoo, like the experience, there was still that lingering, like you said, the old, kind of that older way that I was doing it. It wasn't until I did the mentoring with you in the course where it all really clicked into gear like the importance, yeah. the different layers of the approach in which we now orientate ourselves to getting tattooed. And, yeah, you know, I, it's hard to kind of like put words to what actually pivoted me. I think when I come back to it, it's, I think I just wanted to live more intentionally and move in a direction that was going to be, you know, and it was always in relation. I always look at my kids and my wife and I'd be yeah. like, fuck, I just want to be better for them. I just want to, I want to stop being a flop so I can be more present with them. Cause that was around the time when I was really struggling with PTSD and dissociating and not being grounded and not being present. And yeah. all the stuff from the experience in the military was real present. And I was using a lot of different substances just to be able to sleep and all the stuff. And it's, I remember after getting the tattoo with you and I was sharing with you around cannabis, how I experienced like a real gnarly octopus thing, like attached to me on the mushrooms. And, and you're like, yeah, bro, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that was because I got sober from cannabis. And that's a 15 year addiction 
in 2020, yep. around March, April, I can't remember exactly, but around there was when I become clean fully. And then it was like three and a half years clean, still clean, have a bit of CBD here and there, but yeah, clean from smoking pot in that way where I was addicted to cones and whatnot. So I, I do put yeah, in a yeah. lot of faith and trust in the process of tattooing. Like we've come, like I couldn't have pictured getting my back and ass and hips and yeah it comes along with the process of unpacking everything which we do in the course but you opened a few things there that i want to talk about one of them is aliens and entities and all of those sorts of other interferences (laughs) which we can which we'll get to we'll get there we won't just dive into there but then if we look back to the section where we did that first tattoo i remember it was like that hand poked cross we covered it changed it there was like you said a lot of underlying programs in that tattoo that you weren't aware of you were depressed and things were pretty hectic and you got it tattooed with that old family friend and stuff and you like i remember the story being pretty dark and so we did that and it's so you want to live more intentionally that's like this underlying drive right but that's not going to happen overnight so we did this first tattoo you and me and we're really trying to lock onto this intentional aspect of of living not of the tattooing, we're correlating it to the tattoo, but the tattoo is just a contract, yeah. right? But then you've got all of these pages of contracts that you've written beforehand. So the last thing you even can think of is the fact that we're going to go into all of that. And that's a pretty big process, like year, years, year long court process of going through all these contracts that have been written in all these different times, which we've pretty much got through, which is amazing. So yeah, four years, of course, you're in a really different spot because you've done a lot of really focused reflection, which is being guided by the tattoos. The tattoos are just giving you like a trail. You know, that idea of walking through the woods and just dropping a trail of something on the ground behind you or a string that you can go back and look at. The tattoos are just giving you that, which is interesting. But hey, so there's this one thing that I want to talk about just a little bit because I've seen a couple of little situations happening, unfolding through the screen, through the window into like every single person's life in the world, which is so weird. And that was around the time we did that mentoring thing, you were starting to work out what it is that you were going to put your time and energy into sort of purpose-wise. I can remember you were drawing and painting a bit, like you did that epic surfboard art. And you're like, maybe it's going to go that way. And having tattooed yourself a bunch of times, I think you ended up tattooing, I don't know if it was Brody or your brother or you tattooed yeah. someone. Yeah, Brody and, and my wife. Yeah, you did a, a couple, couple and then you years. put a photo up. You did a photo on Instagram and we're like, hey, I'm thinking of doing tattooing. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, does anyone want to get tattooed? And I messaged yeah. you and I was like, are you serious, bro? And then I remember yeah. we had a bit of a like, you know, you wouldn't even say it was abrasive, but it just brought stuff up in terms of why shouldn't I be? I think like very genuinely, you were just, why shouldn't I be doing this? And then there was me going, well, there's all of these reasons. Really, there's a whole bunch of reasons. And we've been going into what tattooing actually does and what it is in terms of a, a practice. And if anyone's going to ask you about it, I feel like I, I have an okay place to do it. And we're in a really good place. We're good mates and everything, which is great. But I see it all the time and I don't send that message to people because I've got no fucking idea who they are, right? So who am I to say anything to anyone? It's like with you, I felt like I was in a place where it was appropriate. But I see it all the time. 
there's just ceremonial and ritualistic hand poke tattooists popping up everywhere and it's like anyone can that's the thing there's no boundary there's nothing stopping people from doing it but because you and me have had that experience i think it'd be cool if we talk about it and unpack it a bit so that people listening can get some insights when you were doing the tattooing what were your thoughts around it in terms of like why do you want to do it and what do you think you were getting out of it and then reflecting now going actually why do you think you're doing it and do you think it was a good idea and maybe what would have been a better way to go about it or I don't know, just share a bit. Yeah, sure. So I think I was in like a pretty heat seeking missile phase of like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's Mm. my purpose? Is it this thing? Is it that thing? Is it that? Is it this? Mm. And then I landed at, oh, I've hand poked and I've got lots of tattoos. I'm a pretty good drawer, I reckon maybe. And obviously like studying counseling and psychotherapy. I was like, this is, this will go together, totally go together. But I was very naive and there was still this lingering financial struggle as well. So there's an element of money there, like some sort of generation, you know, I'm going to get paid sort of thing. And I wasn't really thinking too much about, I did and I didn't. So it was, it was there, but I didn't upon it. It was like that rebellious yeah. part was still kicking in. Of, no, I don't need to get a mentor. I don't need, I can just teach myself sort of thing like I've done mm. with all my physical training, basically for yeah. the most part have just taught myself, right? It's, it's for everyone who you knows like exercise and body weight training, surf yeah, yeah. taught myself. So that was, story was kicking in. And then when you sort of like, are you serious, bro? I misinterpreted the message because it was through Instagram and I was really yeah. triggered by something else that happened five days earlier. And I was like, oh, yeah. so two people I looked up to had said something one person, which was a teacher, which was totally out of line. Marx was totally in line, but I misread it. I got quite heated, like, what the fuck? You're taking something away from me. And that was what the other teacher was trying to do as well. And in reflection, now that it's ended, and we've spoken about it a few times in person, I can think now, I'm like, wow, like I was really approaching that from quite a immature and juvenile sort of state and space. It's like, when you go and learn a craft, like an actual craft where it's going to affect people's lives, like when I went and did counseling or rebirthing breathwork, like I have a teacher. I'm right. not trying to teach myself. I want to learn from someone because I'm going to hold space for people and I want to do it in a way that's no. pure and integral and whole so that person can then get the most out of their experience, not just because I'm holding space, but because I'm holding a container, which is what's good and true, what's in alignment with God. And I think for me in reflection, it was quite a ambitious, self-driven goal. If I was to approach it now, it'd be very different. It'd be like, Hey Mark, I'm I'm actually keen to do this. What are the steps forward? How can we get this going? Whereas before it was very much like spiritual ego taking a hold and trying to make mm-hmm. up a purpose sort of thing. And yeah, I think yeah. touching on what you've shared about what's out there in the ceremonial intentional hand poking spaces, to be honest, that's all I'm seeing is people just trying to 
make up their purpose because it's something they're interested in. And I've landed a very different place for what your purpose is. You have your roles, of course, you have your medium or your modality that you might use, but I don't think it's just fixed in one place. And I don't personally think the ego is going to tell you what it is. For you, it's been very clear, but you probably didn't know it when you first were tattooing, right? You didn't know you're going to end up where you are now. No, it's, not at all. Over the years, it's, it's progressed. And, you're, and I remember having a chat with you like, fuck, like even still now you're like, what, what's unfolding for me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very genuine and integral place to be. It's not like you're not standing there like, look at me. Look what I'm doing. And I think from how I was moving, it was like this very egoic, self-driven, ambitious place rather than like attuning to zooming out big picture. Yeah. You've said a lot of really important things there. So for example, with your psychotherapy stuff, you self-trained yourself with a lot of your calisthenics and your surfing and all of that, but it's like psychotherapy. Okay, counseling and doing therapy work with people. You went and went into an educational process to get qualified. And then you need to get time under your belt that's practical to be efficient at that. It would be the same if you were to go and do any medical trade as well, right? You know, where it's like you're doing some type of surgery or you're specializing in something. You need to learn about it. And it's like tattooing falls into almost like counseling or therapy and surgery and art so there's all these arenas but there's no there is no boundary around it and you're right people can make money from it really quickly it's in such this up in the air open space that it's rife to get exploited so it does and the only thing that's going to orient anyone to really like really learning really educating really placing themselves in a spot of understanding there is a there's lifetimes of information to learn about it is their own moral bearing like the standard they're going to hold themselves to and i think that's the thing it's i can remember before any of the intentional or the the spiritual metaphysical layers of tattooing came in just tattooing as an art form it was really hard to become a tattooist because there was limited places to learn from limited places to get gear from And you just couldn't start tattooing very easily. And now it's really easy to start tattooing. And people that have any sort of inkling towards a more intentional practice, see that doesn't exist in the tattoo world. So why would they enter the tattoo world to try and learn to tattoo? They wouldn't. So they just go out off on their own. And unfortunately, there's this stickiness to the spiritual ego, like we've talked about. And it's super easy. So you can self-proclaim and be whatever the heck you want to be. There's no credibility gauge. There's no authoritative gauge. There's no educational gauge. There's no standard at all. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's where it's at. I think it's really cool that we got to drop in on it. Like we had the proximity to each other as mates and like working with each other in that space that we could do it. Because the reality isn't, you know, a lot of damage can be done really quickly to people. So like we said at the start, your first five tattoos were all hand pokes. They're all getting covered. They're all getting covered. And so it's like people that just jump in and just start hand poking everyone left, right, and center. 
and especially if they start conducting a ceremonial space at that stage and putting intentions in it, they're just putting blow darts into everyone left, right, and center. If those people stick to the path and actually develop themselves, there'll be years of work that they're doing that ultimately will probably end up being cover-ups or putting people off alignment, to be honest. 100%. Well, it's kind of like different, but similar that what's been unfolding. And I, I guess since 2020 COVID happened, it's probably more started to come out of that now, but the whole coaching, like unqualified coaches, they do a three-day workshop and then they go and start holding plant medicine or doing things like that. It doesn't have to be plant medicine, it could be breath work, it could be just coaching. Just even in that, it's quite similar, very different to tattooing because you're, like you said, it's like surgery and counseling mixed in one. But there seems to be this sort of like thread or of, oh, fuck, I'll just do it myself sort of thing within the spiritual and self-development spaces. It's like they don't need to go check in with an elder or check in with a more spiritually mature person. I had the same language yeah. pop into my head. There's no council of elders. Yes. Yeah. Is this in alignment with myself and God? It's just like going off on their own. We've spoken about this quite deeply in different ways, but about that sort of ego status monetary like money that can be made and the, the freedom that can come from all the perceived freedom that can come from it and they just get swept up in the and it's shit but i guess it's conversations like this that help bring some of it to life yeah yeah the money thing sonia sonia was one of my first interviews back when i started again last year with the podcast we're talking about why there's so many tattooers picking up and she said it's because it's an easy way to make money. Like, unfortunately, it's like you buy a tattoo pen or you start doing hand poke and you can make money and have a social page, Instagram page, a needle. You're set. You're making money. There's no need to do a seven-year university degree. But it's like the reality <laughs> is it's like <laughs> someone comes to me and says, I want to learn to tattoo. And I'm like, I don't want to teach you to tattoo. This is what I did with Daniel. This is what I did with Ale. Yeah. This is what I would have done. Same thing if you came. It's, you want to learn to tattoo. It's like the world doesn't need any more tattooists. No don't need to if it keeps <laughs> yeah. happening and it's okay there's obviously something in it i'd be reading into it a bit more than that too but i would say it's like a minimum of seven years to, to just get the ball rolling to get to a place where it's okay yeah you've like you've graduated to a stage and i think it took me way longer than that if i think about it now yeah. because there's again no pathway to it the reality is when you're doing this type of tattooing if you really start looking at it and unpacking what's involved and what's taking place, like what it's actually doing, what's actually happening to people. So you tattoo someone and you have a look at where they are seven years later as a result of it and go, is that better? Are they in a good place as a result of that? Because you, you are altering their trajectory in different ways and linking different things into their structure. And some of the stuff you've got to deal with when you're doing it, it's not a pretty picture being the tattooist. It's not like the rock star thing. It's not like the Instagram profile of like all the, all these guys <laughs> just putting up photos of like hot birds or muscly models that they're drawing mm. things on and I'm traveling the world and I want to do all these cool artworks that speak volumes of my popularity and how hectic my ability is. And it's not yeah. all that intentional stuff's going, okay, let's pay attention to what's happening to this person. 
We've got to bring in this layer of assumptions and limitations where they don't even know the reality of what they're doing at all. So we've got to sort of be a detective and unpack it a bit. And then you start realizing like, yeah, there's a metaphysical layer and we're probably dealing with a whole bunch of forms of non-physical consciousness that's attached to this person that isn't them, you know? And so we can go into the psychotherapeutic space and go like, are we talking about depression, anxiety, split personalities? Are we talking about actual interdimensional entities that are attached through different ceremonies or drug use or abuse at different stages? And we can go into that with yours. There's a bunch. The biggest one I can think of when we started unpacking your tattoos was when Batman popped up and we clocked the Batman tattoo and we're like, whoa. We could go into heaps. The last tattoo <laughs> session we did with you, when you wrote, or when you clocked all the symbols, you just drew them out for me. Like, you like that leveled me. It was mainly the leg. And I think we, you clocked nine symbols in my leg. And coming back to the different layers, the metaphysical or the psychotherapeutic, however you want to look at it. But there, I do believe there's some sort of metaphysical thing happening where there's also interdimensional interference happening because you only have to look at those guys that start to chop their nose off and i've looked at too many of them but like in how the tattoo trajectory for them like they get that one tattoo there was a bloke on the central coast actually and he got an upside down cross on his face blacked out yep. his eyes and then there's a couple others and then all of a sudden within about six months, because I used to work up at Erinor and this is the guy I used to do all the different surgeries, he ended up going to prison for it because he fucked a couple people up. Anyway, all of a sudden this young kid, 19, completely different, ears chopped off, fucking holes everywhere. Did you say a guy went to prison? Yeah. So this bloke, I can't remember his name, but he was beast-lice, something beast-lice or something. So he was, a, he was a tattooist. Tattooist, but also scarification or that sort of body modification uh -huh. when they're starting to like, you know, doing surgery. So he ended up doing surgery on a woman's vulva because she didn't want to pay for an actual surgeon. And then, mm. yeah, it went really bad. It got really infected. And then he had, she ended up taking him to court and he ended up going to prison. How's that? Actually actually thought he was a surgeon this guy and so i think there's a good layer here yeah again just entities so it's like the tattoo space is just rife with entities i was talking to a, a teacher about this the other day trying to hone in a little bit more and understand some of the the mechanism behind the contract of a tattoo in the skin and, and how it works. Is it a contract? Is it a curse? How does it work? How does it hold its charge? How do you break it? How do you undo it? I'm going into this process of reprogramming and burying old tattoos and undoing things. But we got to this point where we're explaining yeah. that for this particular guy I was talking to, who's extremely adept and wise, and he said, there's nothing that any entity anything outside of you can actually do to your body or they can do as much as they want to your body and it doesn't actually affect your soul. And all that it comes down to is the orientation of your heart and your mind. So it's an emotional state. That's where the contract's held. And everything that happens on the body oh is, it's for you basically. It, it, it's so you are aware of it and you keep feeding it an emotional charge. But as soon as the emotional charge is gone, it doesn't matter what's on the body. Now, this person doesn't have tattoos, so there's a layer of yeah. like, 
when we look at the stages with tattooing, it's like it's unknown to them. They're not actually initiated into the, the actual experience of having a tattoo, so they don't know what it's like. Whereas that's what I'm dealing with all the time. I actually disagree. As much as everything they're saying I think is right, the emotional charge is like primary, there is a layer of the physical marking that anchors and holds people in relation to what it is that, that got locked in, whatever that thing is, which is why the mapping that we do in the course and actually working out what all of these different stages are and identifying it is super important, you know. Uh, there's a few different like therapeutic models that are coming out that really start going into like dialoguing with these different parts of yourself. Hey, like the... Yeah, so internal family systems is a really good one. There's a few narrative therapy as well. Helps the style of breath work. I do, you dialogue with certain parts. My wife's created a sort of process around talking with different parts of the inner children. So I think if you look at it from a few different perspectives of like, are these entities, so you got two different ways of looking at it. Are these entities formed by an accumulation of certain experiences that then draws in, magnetizes an actual interdimensional sort of entity? So I'll use like my own experience of having like lots of different sexual drugged experiences. And then because of having so many in that sort of state, did I pull, was I then all of a sudden open, boom, it's attached to me or did those experiences create an actual astral entity from the experiences? So it was the entity created first, then the experiences or did the experiences create the entity sort of thing? And then if you come back yeah. to symbols, like. Did this, is the symbol getting locked in the skin because the entity that was created from these experiences, whether from starting at childhood or late, late teens, whatever, is the symbol then the entity planting a record me? Yes. Put me in the skin sort of thing so that it can live there and be like, yes, now I'm in the body. I'm actually anchored to the body. This is going to be far more difficult for this person to then undo and neutralize and kind of want to touch on one other point that you said around the emotional what you do to your body can't affect the soul it comes back to this non-duality non-dual thing they talk about the spiritual heart they got like they got the human heart or the emotional heart and then the mm -hmm. spiritual heart yep. the spiritual heart can't be affected by anything that actually happens to you so if we look at that the soul mm -hmm. heart or spiritual soul heart can't actually be affected by what happens emotionally or mentally or physically it always is connected to God and always is whole. And I wonder if that's similar to what you're speaking about is if we can return to that space, regardless of what you've done to your body and tattoo is if you can come back to that place, come back to God, can you undo the markings? Obviously burying are probably going to have to happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing I'm trying to work out now and I'm neutral to it. So there's a bit more to work out. I'm currently under the impression that you need to undo contracts that are written. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm in that space is I have lots of different cases where I see someone who goes, I've, I've found my way, I'm all good. And then they get slingshotted back into or back onto the rails of being misaligned and destructive. Yeah. 
And I go, if the tattoo is so out of line, let's say someone goes, okay, I've connected with the secrets of the universe. I've seen the, the, false, the falsehood of my ways and I'm going to be living an integral life from now on. But they've got these tattoos all over their head of like knives and guns and like you were saying, upside down cross and all of this stuff. And they've got Baphomet on their throat and they're like, they're just covered. Their being, their interface between their internal and their external world are so misaligned that, like I said, the bungee cord, I think it pulls yep. them back. I think it pulls them back. Now, whether that's substantiated or not, I'm still working out. But on what you were saying with the emotional heart, remember this bad boy that I made, the tattoo entity booklet? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was going through it um, yesterday because I'm revising some of the course content with Taylor. Yeah. And at the very end, I got this two-step model. So there's two courses worth of all of these tattoo principles and all this stuff to try and understand it all. Super complex. But in the back of this book, just as a little freebie to try and help people that might not go any further, I've got mm -hmm. this two-stage process, right, to make sure you get a good tattoo. And it says, one, acknowledge the creator, right? Acknowledge the creator, the great creator, the great mystery, God, the author of everything. Unknowable, doesn't have a human name. Number one's acknowledge that. Number two, right, is you take control of your choices. So you identify that you're not making a choice for any other reason, for like public opinion, because someone's forcing you to, because you're under the influence of drugs. There's none of it. It's like you've sat in it. It's your decision. Then you hand it back over to the creator because you've acknowledged the creator. Mm. And then you can acknowledge that you're making the choice. Then you hand over what that process is going to be to the creator. Yeah. That's a real simple one. But all it talks about is like alignment. It's just alignment. It's not self-serving. It's not to, it's not for other people. It's not for some interdimensional entity. So yeah, it's an interesting one. But the stuff we're talking about now as well, for people that are listening, it might be like a bit, could be a bit abstract. You could be right there with us going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But what we are talking about, because it has to do with this metaphysical layer, we're talking about the uh, realm that's, it's sacred, it, it's, it's a spiritual arena that we're talking about. So it can get a bit abstract. The reality is its relevance to marking your body is so far out of most people's mind. Like, like James has pointed out when he started getting tattooed or like when I started getting tattooed, the first 10 years of getting tattooed, this area, this topic we're talking about is so far out of reach. It's not even on the top shelf when you walk into the pantry, that thing up on the top shelf. It's so high up. It's like the shelf, you can't even see what's on the shelf and it's just tucked on the back there covered in dust. People don't consider it at all when they're getting tattooed and a lot of people don't consider it when they're doing tattoos, that beyond that little moment in time, there are all these metaphysical threads being stitched between that person and all of the different thought forms and all of the other people around them. And it's extremely important to bring your awareness around and take stock of what it is that you've actually tattooed and what you're going to continue to line yourself up with. But yeah, couple of other areas we can move on to that I got down no, I here, think mate. it's good. I think, well, just coming back to what you said is that top shelf, the shelf that you can't see. And they, we talk about this in breathing breathwork is like trusting 
people's timing. Like I've told people about how powerful this style is and they can see it. Like, man, you're changing so much. But then they don't come and do it. They're not like, oh, can, how, who can I do this with? Or how have you changed James? Oh, it's this. Oh, is it? But they don't mm. go and do it. I think, I think it comes back to that. You don't know until you know that you don't know sort of thing. So it's not until yeah, you do but it. On that, on that, James, it's also, I, I know what you're talking about because it's the same for me with yeah. different things. It's not that it's, oh, it's this and it's tattooing or it's not like, oh, it's this mm. and it's breath work. What yeah. you're talking about with the timing is like, it's about intentional living, right? So it's yes. not until yes. you start going, I'm going to take stock of my life, everything that I'm doing and yes. thinking and who I am, who I'm being, how I'm engaging every single day. Does the breath work come in or does being tattooed intentionally come in? You're only getting tattooed in this way because it correlates to what you're doing in your life. So you can't be a scumbag or be a non-player character just wanting to live in comfortville <laughs> and then think you can yeah. go get a ceremonial tattoo and it's going to change your life. You have to be actively engaging with your life in a way where yeah. you are wanting change ushering in change that is optimal like trying to to generate your spirit on the daily and then everything you're doing is going to start to correlate to that of course your tattoos are going to become extremely profound and multi-layered multi-dimensional and healing of course they are of course your your relationship with your children and and your work and your purpose and everything are going to be of course your relationship to your body and your health and again the the interdimensional <laughs> layers come in the layers yeah so, totally and it's like you said that two-stage process you could apply that to lots of different things not just tattooing knowledge the great creator god here's my good choice my aligned choice then hand it over to god right and yeah. i think that's a really powerful and really simple way of and i feel since chatting with you and having my own experiences both when I was young, but then now more recently, I come back to that. What does God want me to do? You know, I hear you get those stickers and stuff people get. What would Jesus say or something? I think that's what it is. I always, every now and again, I was doing that for a while. I'm like, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do right now? It is always the thing that I was going to do. Jesus probably do the other thing, right? When it comes to tattooing, because of it, what you've touched on so many times throughout this, it's so not thought about. Even people who are like deeply in their own spiritual sort of self-developed space, they could be heavily covered in tattoos. They just haven't clocked the stories in it. You see it. I no. see it all the time with these people that are like hundreds of thousands of followers and maybe they've moved from being like covered in tattoos, bodybuilder, and now they're doing this and they've got hundreds of thousands of followers. You can tell they have not clocked all the stories. And I can, Mark and I can both tell you, it is a bloody process. Yeah, it's too hard basket for a lot of people. It's that idea, which I don't know what the, the actual outcome is here. I think there's the bungee cord effect and your tattoos pull you in back into something. And the, the idea of if my heart and my mind and my emotional state aren't aligned to that anymore, it's got no charge. It doesn't matter. And so I guess like only time yeah. can tell on that. Yeah. You know, that's like an individual thing. But yeah, and I have a look at where the work is at in incomplete stages and stuff and I think back to what's held in those stages when they were last opened and I go like, there's so much unresolved stuff there and whether the charge is dropped and they don't do anything, that's completely in their court. But because I'm yeah. constantly doing this with people, I can look and go, there is so much in it there for them. If they would, if they reopen that window or that package and have a look at what was going on at that point in time, there's a lot that can happen. And then 
It's not even the thoughts around it. Then there's the coupling with the physical action and that being locked into the body that I think has a very tangible impact, you know? 100%. It's like when we did my back, when we outlined mm. my back and it was two years until we started to actually fill it in and we're both like, what the, what the fuck, what are we doing? Like, even I was after, I was like, what? I'd look at my back and go, what the fuck, what is that? Knew what it was, mm -hmm. but I was like, what am I doing? And then now I look at it and go, oh my God, like, beauty, I can see the process is filled in and everything that I went through to get to where it was. But it wasn't easy, there. right? But it wasn't easy. There was two years yeah. where it was like, that was, I got it, the start of 2021, we did the outline. And then it wasn't until... December 2022, so January 2021, December 2022, so basically two years, where I went through all this stuff, so much stuff, to land at, oh, now we're going to fill it. So yeah, what you're yeah. saying is, I think, can you, I've always thought that too, is can you land at a place where the charge is neutral and nothing else needs to happen, like tattoo-wise, or is it still unfolding and... It's not charged and it's actually the opposite. They're just like the the bungee cords getting stretched and they're kind of just like, I'm not gonna do Yeah, I think just mapping in my mind, sure, I, I reckon maybe you could remove the bungee cord. But the mm. place that you'd have to get to is so resolved. It's so resolved, you know? You'd have to be at this state of like complete knowing. And just, did, I don't need to do any more work. So great if you get there. And I, I think about it a lot because of, like I was saying, people that have gone into really extreme places where it's, I don't know how you crawl out of that pit in terms of bod mod. If they were to come around and be like, hey, actually, I don't align with being a reptile anymore. I don't align with being a alien anymore. I don't align with being a zombie anymore because there's people going through complete transformations to become that. And I understand it's not them, right? So it's not their spiritual heart. It's not the version of them that they're endowed with in that sort of un, undistorted, uncontaminated contaminated state that you're at when you're born. There's a buildup of an identity that's been subjected to things that, I would say are, are damaging to them and they've landed in these places of identifying with things that are like pretty full on. So it's not them. So if they ever snap out of it and realize that their whole vessel has been altered to a state that you can't come back from, right? There's this process we're talking about of going through and trying to undo things and work back through it. You just need to accept that your body can be completely given up and it doesn't affect your spiritual heart. You'd have to be able to reframe in that way. I actually think about it a little bit too with a lot of the, the stuff happening in the trans space, interacting with lots of different people and going, oh, some people that I know, I feel like very grounded in their identity as someone who's trans. And then there's others where I'm going like, I don't know if they're, if they've fully clocked what they're doing yet and sure. will they later? And I think you can sort of detransition and be probably a bigger process than the tattoo one we're talking about, but the, it's a similar thing. Yeah. It's like unconsciously yeah. marking yourself and having to come back can happen in that space too. But Hey, I, before we run out of time on this one too, 
because I've got another one lined up. The the other thing I wanted to go into with you is a couple of arenas, but it's like being a dad and then also the men's work stuff because these are two areas that obviously you're a dad, but you're also holding men's work spaces or you were when you're on the Central Coast. And I just want to go into that and break it down a little bit because similarly, linking back to the, I guess, the fluffy, the foam layer on the cappuccino of intentional (laughs) tattooing. I know there's a foam layer in the men's workspace and also going back to the, you know, just intentionally living and then everything correlates. There's the invitation when you become a dad to start being more intentional and, and pull your shit together. And not everyone takes that invitation. Some people just go on being a grub anyway. Yeah. So I think talking into that space is good. What have you experienced becoming a dad? What was that invitation for you? And then also within the men's workspace, it's what do you see happening in that arena and where do you draw the line in the layers? Like where do you think it changes from froth to some substantial milk, something that's doing some good for you? Yeah, yes, good, good two arenas I'd love to chat about. So for me, like, you know, I just got out of prison. I just actually come around to wanting to be a dad. Me and Kim were actually having conversations in prison about this. I remember, still remember the, the moment where I ch- changed, made a new decision. I was looking at this guy and I saw what he was doing in prison, like being an absolute flop doing just flop shit, grubby grog stuff. But then he was just being there playing with his kids, being a dad. And I had this belief of I could never be a dad. Like I couldn't be a good dad or something. I can't remember what it was, but and then I'm mm. looking at him and Cam, like Cam, like going, you'd be a great dad. Look at that guy over there. Like, What's he like in prison? I'm like, oh, absolute. It's just, and I'll just explain it anyway. And that was the moment. I was like, oh my God, maybe I do want to be a dad. And I remember it was a, a belief that I'd taken on from my ex. If she didn't want to ever be a parent. And through that relationship, I took it on. And anyway, long story short, come out of prison and then we, she felt pregnant six, six months later, way out of our time in track. We were planning for another year or two in a way, but so my wife was 21 when she gave birth. But for me, the journey, the process started was like, oh, the invitation, like you said, I love how you put that. It's an invitation to live more intentionally. That was it. That was like the process of, oh shit, I need to pull my shit together in. You know, it was a bit of a slow process. I will admit it was like very surface level froth work, meditation yeah. and spiritual chakra cleansing and like sort of just like bias, basically spiritual bypassing, just bypassing any actual <laughs> work. It wasn't until I had my first breathwork experience in 2019, which really leveled me and realized that I had a whole, and this was, I, at this point I was already a dad, right? And I was still smoking cannabis and drinking and I had my first breath work and she was pregnant with our second that's when it all changed for me that was when i was mm. like i need to pull my shit together and then when ava came i remember like i had this the first time i had like time off in ages been working so i was like i think i had six weeks off and it was like the first five days i just spent like drinking and smoking and then my mate brody pulled me up he goes what are you doing bro he just had a kid he just pulled me straight up and I was like, oh, I'm like, fuck. And I realized I was like, the presence of my child was just too, it was too overwhelming, the love and the presence. And I was trying to escape and avoid it. And thankfully, Brother Brody pulled me up and then I pivoted. I was from that moment, I'm like, I'm sorting my shit out. And then within seven, seven months, just over seven months, I became sober, like finally sober. It was a process, but becoming a father for me, and we've spoken about this so many times, I don't personally think you can and maybe there is like a 0.01 percent 
per people out there that are men who can step into this sort of space. But I feel like the initiation invitation that you get from stepping into fatherhood and living intentionally and being responsible and being committed and just all the different layers that come from being a dad, I don't actually think you can get it outside of fatherhood. Like I, you can mm. try and recreate it, but I think the closest thing you're going to get is going into doing a, mon a monastery where you're actually like a monastic lifestyle of some form. It'd probably be the closest thing you're going to get to living a life of commitment and responsibility and duty and God's will. Because when you have a child or multiple children, it's like you've been gifted a child to guide. It's not your child. It's God's child. God's gifted this child on you and you're there now as the guide and the teacher and to help support them, not tell them how to live their life. And this is what you're going to be is like help just guide them and be that mm -mm. sort of mirror and role model. And for me, it's been a very big journey because I didn't step into fatherhood consciously i didn't there was no conscious parenting or idea of what it's like or home births or you don't know, read any books about it it was very much straight out of prison i was just still trying to figure out where's this and where's that oh my god i just got out of prison like oh, how did that happen i was just trying to figure out that so for me it's been this real time experience you got some people go into it consciously and that's great i think that's the, the approach i wish i could have done my first child However, it didn't go that way, kind of similar to what you're talking about, the tattoos, where some people have the clean body come in intentionally, mm. but most people go into tattoos not that way. It's the same with parenting, I feel. It's like most people are going into parenting not conscious. It's just happened and it's, then they had this yeah. invitation. And yeah, it's for me, it's been a real-time journey and just recently having a pretty, we all had a pretty leveling out with my second daughter breaking her arm on the tramp. And that's shined a massive light on things that me and my wife need to just, you know, pull our finger out on. And it's seemingly like you can look at it as, oh, she just an accident broke. But there's so many layers to everything. So many layers to everything. And because I understand that, I'm like, I'm looking at it from that layer. Anyway, that's my sort of, <laughs> that's fatherhood. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. I think you're right. Throwing that correlation. Most people go into it unconsciously. And when we say that, yeah. it's not like, they're not planning to have kids. We're saying people are getting tattooed unconsciously. It's not like they're not planning to get tattooed. They are. But the reality of what it is, when you bring your awareness to it, is very different. Like when you accept the invitation and you go, oh, hang on a second. What is actually being offered up to me here in this situation? Yeah. yeah. And it's a big one with the parenthood thing. It is. It's huge for sure. It's a big, long lifelong commitment right? yeah and so on the men's work stuff then segueing it in like you said you don't think that there's probably any other process that can affect the way you function other than maybe a, a monastic life right and I, i'd agree yeah. i still think they're different they're different they're both devotional right. to something outside of yourself which is good they're very yeah. selfless both of them so i see that yeah. correlation yeah do you think you can actually fall in the arena of being a healthy male figure within the community or within society, within the family unit, unless you have that selfless devotion? 
And what do you think people are, are allocating to, to being a man and men's work at the moment? What is it that they're working on? Because I see a lot of this, you're doing men's work if you're becoming in touch with your emotion or sensation or sensuality or something. And it's yeah. like, yeah, cool. That's a layer of emotional maturity for any human. Yeah. That's all it is. It's emotional maturity. I don't know if that qualifies as men's work. And then I also see a lot of, um, anyway, you go. It's more your field than mine. No, what were you going to say? I want to hear the, the other last part. Oh, just like, it's just a bit of a personal peeve at the moment. I'm just watching a lot of stuff happening in yeah. schools with young boys becoming men and what they're being fed information-wise, it seems really out of line too. It's like these really sort of progressive, ultra PC narratives around being a man that for me feels a little bit in opposition to the reality of what should be modeled for young boys. There's a lot of mm-hmm. just, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I have my own peeves around this sort of stuff and my own opinions around men's work. And I think, you know, touching on what you said around the whole, you know, taming your sexual dragon, you know, so to speak, or your sensuality, I think that's just a part of developing yourself as a mature man. I don't think it's actually... Mm really like men's work i just think even women it's just a normal part of your developing yourself is just to tame that sexual dragon and get a hold of it because at the end of the day is that part of you is not you it's a very small facet of your diamond and i guess in the men's work is i feel like what's happening is you've got maybe in the women's spaces as well but i don't i'm not a woman so i don't know but it's like men are trying to do and i was laughing with my mate actually about this is you've got these retreats that get put out there and there's men screaming, yelling at each other, they're wrestling, high-fiving, having these deep chats, eye-gazing, doing all the things, the breathing, taking the cacao, or maybe the psilocybin, or whatever it is, right? They're all doing that. All good fun. But if you really look at that, it's just another form of drinking with the boys, wrestling each other, putting music yeah. on yelling, taking cocaine, having deep and meaningful like that. It's the same thing, just in a different way. What's going to happen differently? There might be a little bit of a, an emotional release. Sure, you'll connect in a new way. That's great. But there's an over-dramatization to men's work at the moment. Personally, I think deep men's work is actually being able to hold your rage sitting still. Can you just hold your rage and be with that sensation without having to over-dramatize it, scream in a pillow, punch something and throw a tantrum like a toddler? Because when you see a toddler do it, genuine anger from a toddler is real time. You'll see it. They'll get angry. They'll want to punch something or whatever, right? That is real time anger. If you're trying to react anger out from 20 years ago, it's gone. I'm sorry, but it's gone. You need to be with the feeling. Yeah, you need to be with the feeling and the sensation as it is. And I think mm. what's happening in men's work is, is blokes, that they might get off the cocaine and it's been one year and they're sober and then they found breath work like Wim Hof and ice baths. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to teach people. And it's, I've yeah. been on a seven-year journey since coming out of prison. And even still now, I'll question myself if I'm, and I've done all these different trainings, all these different workshops, all these different, have all these different experiences. I'm still there sitting going, but am I 
qualified enough? Am I experienced enough? Even though I've been in the military, I've been in prison, and I've had all these different experiences that I'm pulling and learning, pulling wisdom from, I'm still sitting there and asking that question. Whereas what I see in the men's work is like, his, there's a whole lot of that not happening, of actually checking in and yeah, going, yeah, yeah. am I actually suitable to be doing this work? Just because, you know, and I did a video about it the other day, it's like, people jumping on trends and think it's their purpose. So going on a side quest, it's like, oh my God, ice bars transformed my life. Wim Hof transformed my life. I did that. I fasted and did ice bars and did Wim Hof. It was glorious, but I'm not a practitioner or facilitator now of that mm. because that would have been a side quest. That would have been my ego going, yes, this is the thing. I can make money. It's not nine to five job. I can feel powerful. I can be in a place of status. People yeah. are going to... Yeah, it so makes I me feel... think... Yeah, yeah go, sorry, sorry to cut you off, man. Oh, just hearing what you're saying, sorry. I'm going like, it, it's like the facilitation is for them. Yes. They're thinking more about, I can facilitate this thing for people. And this is probably the same with some tattooing and stuff as well. And it's to make them feel something, feel like they've got purpose without a real, real consideration of what the result is for the person on the other end apart from like just elating them like we were saying that the tattoo thing's really fucking hard when you're doing it right you're not walking away going oh i had the most beautiful experience you're walking away and like you're fucking burnt for two years before you come back because you're like that's brought up a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah what am yeah. i doing i need to reorient myself right or in the men's workspace it's what is sitting around wrestling some of the boys doing cacao or mushrooms and screaming in into the water and stuff doing for that man when he steps back into his role at home or in society what's that done for him because i've been thinking about the men's work thing and going like th these spaces like you said they just feel like some social space that's a little bit unnecessary and who's actually totally. informed me and i go fuck i think about like my dad and so i've seen him do 50 years of completely meeting the requirements of a man that will provide for children, for a disabled child, for a wife that like can be pestering at times and all of these things, you know, job, like all of these things that are just there in the world that are real and just like, just carried it and no one high-fiving him, no <laughs> um, signaling to anybody in the world even within the family not no signaling to the kids or anything that like look at me i'm the man none of it and so i think of these figures where i'm just like they are like even here where i live right you've been here i'm out on these multiple thousand acre properties where the amount of work that needs to be done is like relentless and i watch this farmer here that owns the place run around to do absolutely everything by himself. Like he, he had a broken leg the other day. He's still riding his motorbike around with a broken leg, moving animals, doing this. Like just, can you just go like, wow, that's, yeah. that's actually impressive. And if I was to try and sort of have some stereotypical, typical cookie cutter of like, just in life, like men, woman, make a family, mm -hmm. families make a community, yeah. they go through time, they need to instill ethics and morals and values that are going to make humans survive and better themselves. It's not what you see in these circles, really. It's, it's more like what's actually being done by these men around 
that are just doing it and they're not distracted by other stuff. That's not to say that there aren't little areas that could be moved into and ironed out in that male archetype for sure. But I think there should be just more acknowledgement and recognition of what already is just there, the underlying base code of a male. It's a dying breed, right? But they're not looking for, like you said, they're not looking for recognition or status or it's not like they've got a I better do an Instagram post so that everyone can see how much work I'm, how many hay bales I've moved. And I think that's where the social media thing that we've chatted about before is coming in and I don't know, like derailing what it is to be a man. And it's, I don't walk around my family going, look at what I'm doing, you know, I just get on mm. with it and I try not to bring too much light of if I'm suffering, I go to, to someone. If I'm going for yeah, a hard time, yeah. I talk to someone. But being a dad isn't easy. Holding space for your, your wife and your kids isn't easy. And then if you're out there doing also extra work to support other people, great. But I just think what you said about the guy that owns the farm, and I've seen I've met him a couple times with you, and you can tell he's just a workhorse, man. It's wild, just keeps going and going. And in the men's work, as I personally think there's probably some men out there and there's actually this guy called, I can't remember his name, but he doesn't actually have social media and he was on this podcast. Incredible, right? He doesn't want social media. He doesn't want to have that sort of status and influence and that sort of world, but he's working with like multi-billionaires. It's helping them to not work because they're so addicted to work, right? But you wouldn't know him right. unless you listen to this podcast. You actually wouldn't have known about him because he's just in the shadows supporting all of these millionaires and multi-billionaires to help their health, get on track with their family, their relationships, connection with God, and to slow down work and actually put some of the work away because they're multi-billionaires, right? And that mm-hmm. kind of shine a light on me. is like there are probably so many men out there that are supporting this command without the need to be like, I need to be seen in what I'm doing. Because mm. I think to me, that's yep. very childish. It's very mature. It's boyish. Very boyish. Look at me, daddy. Look what I did. Oh, dad, did you see what I did? You see what I did, dad? It's still very boyish in it, the way it's holding. And this has come back to what I said at the start. Is until you become a father, you probably won't ex- realize that it's happening. And if you aren't a father, the thing that I would do is really try and clock where your inner little boy's coming out. That's a good one to go into as well. I can see that. (laughs) But hey, man, is there anything else you want to put out in relation to what you're doing or to your tattoos, things that you think will be helpful? And and then also, if people want to do some work with you, because I know you do a bit of even just like counseling, talk therapy and stuff too, right? Or men's work circles and that sort of thing. Where should people find you just instagram dm me if you want to work with me i will have yep. some stuff up and coming later this year me and my wife are in the mix of making something creating something it's been a while if you feel called or you feel aligned just have a chat with me like i'm not one to like turn a chat down have a 15 minute chat don't have to pay mm. i'm not like that I want to support as many people as i can but only if they're feeling called and aligned and i just want to bring back to one thing that you said that really stood out and it's if you do one thing in life that you reorientate yourself into one way of way way of being, and this is what's just changed my life, is to acknowledge the great creator, the great mystery or God, have whatever you decide to label that is, and then start to to make decisions and choices from that way. And it's not going to be easy by any stretch, but it's mm, mm. a good place 
to, to move towards is knowledge in God, choices, and then trusting in God and how it unfolds. Yeah. That's been it's a good one. last three years. And, mm. There's so much aversion so around that though. Mate, so much. I get it's it. Like I would just, just, I would be just mention it. it. Yeah. You just mention it to some people. This yeah. happened to me the other day, helping a friend do something like a bit of a task, helping set something up and him and his partner that were there, they were just totally ranting, almost like unconscious, just reciting all of this supercharged stuff around the religion, just God and Jesus and churches and just like, rah, 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 just like going to town. There was just so much resentment and hatred. And, and I was just like listening to it all come out and going, wow, it's full on. And it's got nothing to do with the creator. All of the stuff they're going on about. <laughs> I get it. It's like horrendous things have happened all over the world in the name of like, mm-hmm. you know, sacred duty from all fronts yeah, all, through the yeah. church, through all the religions, through all of the different um, traditional cultures. Shit has been done that is like full on. And so I guess just to prop up your statement there, the number one thing is just acknowledging the creator is just give that some contemplation. If you've got a version, or if you don't, either way, yeah. just sitting with it and going, what's the reality of that? And I think like some people yeah. feel more comfortable saying the universe or whatever, and it's, that's not quite right either. I think when people say the universe, they're trying to say in flow with the universe, it's like with everything. They're using that language to sum up yeah. everything, which we can't know everything. Yeah. So again, there's something that's beyond comprehension that is the curator of everything that we experience whether that's a, an energy field or a, whatever you want to call it. Again, language, it's pretty pretty limited. But yeah, aligning with that, understanding you're not on this little rock floating through space and it's meaningless and you're going to kick the bucket and just break down and there's nothing else to it. It's a bit, bit more to that. Line up with it. It starts to um, reveal itself in lots of wonderful ways. becomes very tangible from my experience it does well mm. good chat and good chat thanks for having me yeah it's awesome yeah looking forward to hanging out soon I'll, yeah. I will get to you with some yeah. dates like last yeah sounds good yeah. bro alright see you bro see you gotcha well there you have it James's details are below if any of that conversation hit home you can tell us about it on the Tattoos with Intention podcast Facebook group you can join us there we're always happy to engage in a chat publicly to expand on any of the thoughts or things you experienced while listening to this podcast anything you want to share I'm also happy to engage with anyone individually one on one if you've got questions or you want to talk through anything that you have heard in this podcast or the others the truth is I'm happy to help anyone that's willing to help themselves in right relation to this work and to the world in general okay thank you